0: Again, welcome to Freedom. We'll invite our kids who are in the first through the sixth grade. Uh, They can follow Miss Lynn out around their teaching time. If you're uh, new to Freedom, just know that uh, we've always got preschool uh, ministry that's going on throughout the worship service. But during the the teaching part of the service, we've got uh, for elementary age kids, we've got age-appropriate stuff for them, uh, teaching and activities for them. Uh, Thanks for being here today. It's good to see uh, familiar faces and new faces in the room and I also want to say welcome to those of you who are joining us online. It's always good to have you be a part of Freedom Online. Uh, We missed being here last Sunday, but we were out with a good excuse last weekend. Uh, Jackie and I were in Colorado Springs for my oldest daughter's wedding, and uh, all of that went off without a hitch, and so uh, we're thrilled about that and missed being here with you guys. But we got to sit in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport on our way back Sunday and uh, take part in some of the service and and, uh, hear the rest of it when we got home. Charlie did a great job and I appreciate you leading the way. It's always good to know somebody's going to step up and hit a home run whenever you're out, and Charlie always does that. For those of you who don't realize this, this has nothing to do with today's message, but you just ought to know stuff about your church. A part of the heartbeat of our church is we know that we're called to multiplication at a personal level through discipleship and at a church level through church planting, and we feel like God's put it on our... Our plate as a church to plant five new churches in the next 10 years, and uh, we really strongly believe that Charlie is supposed to pastor the first new work that we send out. And so uh, they're making an investment here in uh, freedom and in our students, and we're making an investment in them and excited about in the next couple of years sending them out to plant a new work. And so Uh, I want you to get that. I want you to be praying for them and praying for the ongoing work. Because if we're going to reach the world, if we're going to not only reach Baldwin County, but reach the world, we've got to be committed to doing more than worshiping together in here on Sunday morning. This is good, and this is encouraging and refreshing, and it's cozy, but this doesn't change the world. What we do when we leave this place is what has the opportunity to impact and change the world. And I know you're committed to that. I just want you to be tracking and praying with us about that. So anyway, moving on to what we're going to talk about today. We begin a new series today. And it's one that's going to be short. It's only going to be three weeks long. But it's really important. I want to encourage you to be here with us each of these three weeks. We're going to be talking about learning to hear, understand, and recognize the voice of the Lord when He speaks to you. Now, I'm guessing that probably a lot of you, your experiences may be similar to mine. I grew up in church, and I, I speak churchese really well. I speak that language. I, I talk the, the language of the church, and I understand and appreciate how people who are outside the church feel a little bit lost when we speak churchese. Uh, by the way, that language doesn't help us out a whole lot. It, it throws people off when we talk church language. I try to not speak that language when I preach because I want us to understand each other in, in simple terms. But part of the one of those church language things that we would always say when I was growing up, is a good thing to say, is that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. That's good talk, isn't it? It's good church talk. I mean we we're much more excited about a relationship than we are about religion. The truth of the matter it's both. But you know, I would always be one that's quick to say, that's right, man. I, I'm more than just in a religion. I'm in a relationship. And and that's truth. But can I just make a confession to you this morning? That always felt like the most hollow statement that I personally could make. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. But here's the problem with all that talk about a relationship. I had known Jesus personally. All of my life, it felt like, but I I had come to know him in a saving relationship when I was a small child, just before I turned eight years old, and truly had come to accept and trust Christ. But all this talk about a relationship felt hollow because... That relationship was really defined by the following Any relationship, of course, has got to involve communication Wouldn't you agree with that? We've got to talk to each other to have a relationship Well, the only thing I could understand of having communication with God Was I would say my prayers In which I would do all of the talking And in return, or what I thought was the only thing I could do To get anything in return was I would read my Bible and go to church And listen to somebody preach or teach And so this was my communication with God I'd tell him my list of things that I needed him to do. And then I would read my Bible and go to church and hope that either through what was written in this book or what the guy on the stage was saying would be God's way of talking to me. Now, listen, I absolutely believe in the power of God speaking through his word. I I just know of the, the power to change us in that. So I'm not in any way belittling that. And I certainly hope that God speaks through the teaching of his word. Otherwise, I want to slip my wrist over how much time I've spent doing this. Uh, I hope God speaks in times like this. I know in my own life, many times God has spoken to me in church. But again, if we just get real honest with each other, the thing that felt so empty about that is I felt like at best I was an Old Testament believer. You know, in the Old Testament, people would pray They would listen to what the prophet would stand and say because the prophet could get a word from God. And they had some kind of access to the Old Testament scriptures, to the law, so they could get the word of the Lord that way. But there was no sense of direct access to God or God speaking directly to his people pretty much ever. It was almost like it was second-hand religion. I'll show up and let somebody else who's heard from God tell me what God's saying. But that was about the closest I could ever come to hearing the voice of the Lord. And I just got to the place where I felt like I was not invited to be a member of sort of an insider's club. Because I would hear people talk about, God told me this and God told me that. And I got this great revelation from God or I had this vision or had this word. And I felt like that just doesn't hardly ever happen in my life. And I didn't know if there was something broken in me or what the deal was. And I can tell you now, you know, here I am 50 years old and, and have a little different perspective on it. But sadly, it took decades of my life to come to understand and appreciate. A big part of the problem is I just never had anybody teach me how to recognize and hear the voice of the Lord. He's speaking. I just didn't know how to receive Him. He's always broadcasting. I just didn't know how to tune into that. It's kind of like realizing that in the room right now, there's all kinds of stuff being broadcast through the room. Isn't that weird? I mean, isn't that just weird to realize there's all kinds of cell phone signals and TV signals and stuff? It's here. You can't see it, but it's here. And if you had the right device to tune into it, you could get all kinds of messages in the room. Some of you are tuned in. you got your cell phone still turned on, and you're, you're still getting messages. But you know what I'm talking about? It's there. It's just a matter of whether or not you can tune into it. Well, God is speaking the question is, have you ever learned to recognize how he speaks to you to discern his voice? That's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. There's nothing more important that we could press into as followers of Christ than learning to discern the voice of the Lord. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you on the front end, we'll foul this up. And this is part of how in the course of my life I became skeptical about it is... I would hear people saying, oh, God told me this or God told me that. And then, you know, you'd hear it and think, that's kooky, and I don't think that's from the Lord. And then you watch, and sometimes it just doesn't pan out at all. And you go, see, they're not hearing from God. They're just talking spiritual talk. Anybody ever felt that way? There are about three of us that are cynics in the room. Okay. God bless the rest of you. But, you know, I just... You know what I'm talking about. It's the super spiritual giants, the spiritual superheroes. God tells them to have English peas instead of green beans for lunch. It's, it's the word of... It's you know, just everything. It's just, God told me this. God told... God doesn't care whether you had English peas or green beans for lunch. Come on, you know. I would just become cynical because of people like that. And because sometimes people would think that they heard the Lord and they didn't. And so I'd become cynical of, you know, can you really hear God at a personal level? The answer is yes. But the fact of the matter is, we struggle with communication. And we have to learn how to listen well. I mean, do you have to do anything more than have a male-female relationship to discover how much we struggle with communication? I mean, most of us in the room have either been married or dated or been engaged. And if you've done that, you have discovered somewhere along the way how difficult it is to communicate well. Amen? Amen? Or oh me? It's just the truth of the matter. Men, I mean, think about it. Think about how many things we just don't ever get. I just want to go ahead and tell you, for the younger men in the room, for the younger men who haven't yet been married, maybe you're dating, maybe you're engaged, I just want to let you in on a secret. All women have two things that they want their man to understand about them. All women want this. Two things that you've got to understand. You need to know this, guys, so listen up. Two things that all women need you to understand about them. And the truth is this, no man has ever figured out what those two things are, and you're not going to. That's a fact. So I ain't going to pretend like I know. And the ladies are going, no, it's three. Well, I say that just to make the point. We struggle to communicate well with flesh and blood people that we can see and with our ears we hear their words. That can be challenging. So there's an added level of challenge to discern and understand the voice of the Lord who you can't see. But be encouraged. Remember this. The longer you're in a relationship and the more you work at it, the better that you can get at hearing and and understanding correctly. What the Lord is saying to you. Or what another person is saying to you. Jackie and I have only been together for a few years. Yeah, she's walking out as I'm talking about... (laughs) See you, baby. That was like on cue or something. (laughs) All right, she's gone. I can really talk about her now. But no, her her mom and dad are here, so I I can't. But no, she she would tell you... I thought I was a good communicator, but communication is a two-way thing. And I discovered in the time that we were dating, in the first six months to a year that we were married, that I was a lousy listener. I'm not real proud of admitting this, but I really was. And the way that I know that I was a lousy listener is because she told me so. Guys, if you're not sure whether you are or not, ask your wife. She can clue you in. And I know that she's right. She was very much right that I was not a good listener. But... You can learn to understand each other better over time, and you can do the same thing with God. So that's what we're going to press into today and the next two weeks. And so um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today. If you've got your Bibles, I'll encourage you to go ahead and turn there with me to the opening part of Luke 8. I can remember as a child, one of the things that uh, we thought was so cool and so fascinating was uh, CB radios. A lot of you aren't old enough to remember what those were, but... Uh, man, as a, as a little boy, we just thought that was the neatest thing. I'll never forget the Christmas that my brother and I got walkie-talkies. That they weren't just the kid kind; they were the they were the powerful enough kind. They had channel 19 too. That's how you got the truckers was channel 19. And so we. We got our walkie-talkies, and we could talk to those truckers. We grew up about two and a half blocks off of US 231, four-lane highway, so all the truckers would go by. And we'd, we'd break in on them when they'd get within a couple of miles of us. And we just thought that was the coolest thing. you remember the, the way that you'd, you'd break in to communicate with somebody back in those days? Yes, I'm enough of a redneck. I, many times that I have done. Breaker, or breaker, or, anybody got your ears on? <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all remember that line? Well, Jesus had a version of that line that he frequently said. He didn't say, Breaker, Breaker, got your ears on. But he would say the equivalent when he would say, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Does anybody have their ears on? I, I want you to hear. That's what Jesus is saying. He's going to say that in the passage that we look at today. He said it again and again. The point being, I- I'm talking. I'm always talking. Who's listening? H- have you got your ears tuned in to hear what I'm saying? Now, what we're talking about is clearly important, but as we just dive into it, I'm going to point out to you three reasons why what we're talking about. If you're not already convinced why this is really important. Why is it important to hear from God? Three things I've just noted in your outline. First, it just proves proves that I'm saved and I belong to God. You know, the enemy's biggest tactic against this is to tell us that we're not a part of the family of God, that we're not saved and that God doesn't love us, that we've screwed up so badly. And there's nothing that will shut him up faster than you having the kind of relationship with God where he speaks to you and you recognize what He's saying, and then you see the truth of what He says borne out. There's pretty much no hope of convincing you you're lost if you're hearing the voice of the Lord. Jesus said in John 8, 47, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason that you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. Now, I I understand. Uh, Some of us in the room are already struggling with doubt, and you hear a verse like that, and we just go, Oh, my goodness, I'm not hearing God. I'm probably lost. I must be going to hell right now. I'm not trying to tell you that you're going to hell. What I'm saying is, Some of us are saved, and we just need to learn to discern the voice of the Lord. It'll help you know that you belong to God. Secondly, it protects me from making mistakes, and I have a Ph.D. in that, making mistakes. It really does. So many times when God speaks to me, it'll be in one word. No! Don't! Stop! Wait! And sometimes that is the very best word that I could hear because I've already figured it out. I need to do this. Well, it's obvious. I ought to go down this road. I should buy this. I should make this choice. I should make this move. And the voice of the Lord just whispers, No. Stop. It keeps us from making mistakes. Proverbs three six says, Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. It's taking me a long time to learn how much I'll get off track if I don't Keep my ear tuned into Him. And thirdly, it just helps us to have success in life. And by success, we don't mean, oh, this is what makes sure that that you end up heading the company or being a huge career success or having all the money or the home or the cars. When we say success, we just mean that your life turns out in such a way that you become exactly who God made you to be and that you do what God wired you and designed you to do and that you'll find fulfillment in doing that. In Psalm 32, 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Everybody say, your life. life. That's the key. I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. The tragic thing is, most of the people that I've known in life don't really know how to discern the voice of the Lord. And in the absence of that kind of day-to-day, moment-by-moment guidance to try and figure out how to live, we'll just copycat somebody else. We'll just look at somebody else's, else whose life looks like it would be fun to live. And we'll just try and mimic what we see in them. And in doing so, we'll miss most of what God had for us. What God will say to you will lead you down a path so that your life looks like what he wanted it to look like. And the cool thing is, it doesn't need to look like anybody else's. And there's such freedom in that. We get so bound up in feeling like, oh, my life's not turning out the way that it's supposed to. Usually we feel that way because we're disconnected from what God's saying about how he wants us to live. And because we're trying to copycat somebody else and we don't ever tend to do that very well. Success is just learning to be who God made you to be. And you can only do that when you're hearing what he's saying. So are we in agreement this is important stuff? All right, let's dive into the deep end. Luke chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 4. Jesus tells a parable that uh, this particular story gets recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's important stuff. And uh, Jesus, this is just one of those times that if we had been there 2,000 years ago, um, unless you were in the inner circle of Jesus, this kind of teaching would have frustrated the daylights out of most of us because literally he just steps up and tells the story and walks away. He doesn't explain it. He just tells the story. And says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That would be kind of strange, wouldn't it? Some of you are like, give that a try today, preacher. <laughs> Tell a story and sit down. That's what Jesus did on this day. Verse 4, Luke 8. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell among the path, along the path. And it was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock, and when it grew up, it withered away, since it lacked moisture. And other seed fell among thorns, the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground, and when it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. And as he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. And what you find out from the other gospel writers is at this point he separates from the crowd. And then his disciples ask him, what does this parable mean? So he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you to know, but the rest of it is is in parables, so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. It's, It's God communicating to people. uh, The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. And as for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, they go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life. And produce no mature fruit. But the seed and the good ground. These are the ones who having heard the word with an honest and good heart. Hold on to it. And by enduring produce fruit. Really is intriguing to realize Jesus just told the story for most people. And that's all they got was the story. Without some explanation that story wouldn't make a lot of sense would it? The story he told is a very simple. And the people could certainly relate to the story. It says a farmer went out to broadcast his seed. The word, the word literally was broadcast, to, to broadly cast the seeds, where that, that term comes from. And The scene that he's describing, they would all immediately envision. We, we sort of have to think about it a little bit because we're used to watching this be done with you know, tractors and big equipment where the whole field is, is plowed up. But picture what it really would have looked like in Jesus' time where there were no tractors cultivating entire fields. When you were going to break ground, it took a great amount of work to, to plow a row. And so they would only plow the specific rows where you know, they were going to see the seeds come up. But in between, every row would be a footpath that the farmer would walk on. And it would be incredibly hard, never having been broken. And when they would scatter their seed, they wouldn't go plant them one at a time. They'd, they'd throw them out by hand. And they would throw them over all the rows that had been where the ground had been broken up. But you can picture that Jesus is saying there's four different places that those seeds may land. And First of all, obviously, a lot of seeds are going to land on the footpaths because the way that a field would have looked like in Jesus' day is a plowed row, a, a path to walk on, a plowed row, a path, a plowed row, a path. So, you know, 40 or 50 percent of the field is, is footpaths in between the rows. So a lot of seeds are falling on the footpaths. And he said, well, you know what happens to the seeds that land there? They get stepped on and eaten by the birds. They're, they're gone in no time. And he says there's a, there's a second condition that some of the seeds, unfortunately, it's not that they landed on the path, but they just landed on the really shallow soil. Because you see in Israel, the, pretty much the country as a whole, most of it has a very thin layer of topsoil, and then everything is, is a limestone. It's got a bedrock that's real close to the surface and he's just saying in any field there's a good chance that there's a lot of places where regardless of whether you tried to cultivate it there or not there's just not hardly any soil in those spots it's just a really thin layer and some of the seed unfortunately falls on those spots and even if it's been broken up it doesn't matter because when that seed springs up it's got no place to to grow any real roots and the sun's going to come up on it and it's it's not going to last so you've got that really Thin layer of soil, the rocky soil. And he says there's a a third option. There's some of those seeds that unfortunately they're going to go beyond the boundaries of what's been plowed up, or or they may land on a place that's been plowed up, but unfortunately there's the root of a briar or a thorn vine right there. And when it grows up, it's going to get choked out. Man, I I don't know if y'all's yards are like ours. But before that house was ever bought, I think somebody sowed the, the seeds or the roots of every every thorn and thistle that'll grow in South Alabama. I've never seen the likes of it. You can't kill those things off either. You try and pull them up and they break off at the ground level and that root just, it'll grow up. And they choke out whatever you plant. Every flower bed we've got is just thick with those things. And they're, they're just terrible. And that's what Jesus is talking about. These thorn vines, they'll just wrap up whatever good thing you're trying to grow and they'll kill it off. And he said, but there's a fourth place that the seeds can land. They land on the good soil that's been plowed up and it's been prepared. And that soil receives it. And the incredible miracle that happens there is they bear fruit so that what you get back is 30, 60, 100 times, sometimes a 1,000 times what was sown there. We've all seen that. And in that simple teaching, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a picture Of the four major obstacles, the four major barriers of what will keep you from hearing and understanding the voice of the Lord God speaking to you. Because in this picture, God is the farmer and the seeds are his words. And what he's saying is there's four different conditions that the word of the Lord can land in. Four different types of hearts. And the truth be told, all are represented in this room and by the people who are listening online. And in this teaching are four important truths about things that we can do to remove the barriers and to position our hearts and minds to receive the word of the Lord so that we'll hear and understand him. So that's what we want to do in the next few minutes is just unpack those four truths. So if you want to follow along in your outline, if I want to hear God speaking to me, first of all, I must cultivate a mind that is open to hearing from God. We start with the seed that falls on the path. The first obstacle to hearing the voice of the Lord is resistance. We know this about paths in in a field that's being planted. They're narrow and they're hard. Which describes some particular kinds of minds. Narrow-minded and hard-headed. Anybody know anybody like that? Don't look at the person seated next to you. But you know what I'm talking about. When we're narrow-minded and hard-headed. Now the problem is... There aren't three people in the room who want to admit to themselves, yep, that's me. I'm narrow-minded and hard-headed. No, we want to confess that for the person we're seated next to. Or we want to think of somebody that we live with at home. Yeah, they're narrow-minded, they're hard-headed, but I'm not. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of us will struggle with being narrow-minded and hard-headed without even realizing it. Because when you are narrow-minded, you never think of yourself as being narrow-minded. You just think of yourself as being right. You get that, don't you? Narrow-minded people don't realize they're narrow-minded. They just know they're always right. If you're always right, that's the first clue you're narrow-minded. If you think you're always right. And you see, the spiritual equivalent of that is, when I think I already know before God tells me what I need to do, what decision I need to make, I'm being hard-headed and narrow-minded. When I think, I've got this, God. I didn't even need to pray about that because I just knew what I needed to do. I could figure that out. I mean, after all, didn't God give us common sense so we could just figure most of this out? How many times have you heard Christians say that idiotic statement? Am I the only one? I mean, I've heard people say that all my life. You don't have to pray about that. God gave us common sense to figure that out. My common sense has gotten me in more trouble than anything I could ever think of. I'm so hard-headed, and I think that I'm smarter than I am. I can just figure this out. I don't have to pray about this. And there are a lot of things in our lives where we will resist the voice of the Lord because we don't want God messing with that. I've already figured out how I want to spend my paycheck. I don't need to pray about that. I already figured out who I want to be in a relationship with. I don't need to pray about whether, you know, this is going to be my boyfriend. This is going to be my girlfriend. This is going to be who I hang out with on the weekends. I don't need to pray about those things because I already know. Don't want God messing with what I do with my time off and with my money and with my relationships and on and on. You see, that's hard-headed and narrow-minded. The path represents the hardened soul represents a closed mind, a mind that's already closed off to hearing what God has to say because for starters, we don't need to hear from God. we think we already know and when we do pray about certain things, we pray going in already knowing what we're going to do. We're just needing for God to affirm what we already decided to do and to bless it. you ever done that? Oh I've done it more times than I ever could count. I already made up my mind, but I know I'm a Christian, and I'm supposed to be a Christian leader, so I better stop and pray about it. And essentially, it's like, well, God, you know I'm already going to do this, but I really want you to bless that. I'm sure that I'm going to honor you in this. So I'm just kind of, I don't say this, but I'm, I'm like, I'm going to throw this prayer at you, God, so that, you know, we can just both be in agreement that I'm doing the right thing here. Yeah, and he's thrilled to just bless my socks off in that. Can't tell you how many times the Lord, in response, has gone, oh, yeah? Well, let's just watch how this works out for you, big boy the worst financial holes I've ever dug in my life are major financial decisions where I decided what I was going to buy or what I was going to do and then asked God to bless it after the fact because I was being hard-headed. I had a closed mind to the voice of the Lord. I'm only going to Him after I've decided what I'm going to do. Mm. It'll get you in trouble. First of all, we have to just be willing to, to be open and say... I want to hear what God says about this. Can I just give you a real uh, here and now practical example of, of this being lived out? We, we all the time are facing decisions. And um, I really kind of wrestled with whether or not to share this with you because some of you might want to just run down this road and spend the rest of the hour you know, thinking about this and you don't need to do that. But um, once again, we have an opportunity put in front of us to discern what God is saying about something. And I have no idea what God's going to say about this. I truly don't have any idea. The owners of this building and of the bank next to us who have tried to sell us the property before would like once again to sell it to us and have made another offer to us this week and are trying to throw out incentives for for why we should do this. And maybe that's something we need to do. And maybe it's not. Now you see the way I've lived most of my life, I would have made up my mind what we needed to do way before I'd tell any of you about it. And then I'd go to the Lord, and then I'd go to you. And that's a bad way to do stuff. So I'm just getting ahead of the curve. I'm just telling you. Once again, this is being thrown before us. And I have learned enough to know. I don't have any idea whether we should do that or not. Don't know. But I know who does. I'm going to sit down with our leadership today. And I I, I emailed our leadership this week and just said, hey, here's an opportunity to put before us, have no idea what God wants us to do, and I don't want anybody to comment on this email. I want you to pray before you comment, and we'll get together and talk. So we're going to get together and talk today, but I don't, you know, it's one of those things. I don't want us to bring our agenda to this. I don't want us to huddle up and create an agenda about this. I don't care whether we ever own this building or not. But I just give that as a practical example. You experience things like this in your life all the time. Where it's tempting to go, well, of course it makes more sense to own it than to pay rent on it. Well, when I'm hard-headed and narrow-minded, I might say that. But at the end of the day, God's got a will about that. He's got a plan. He knows what's better for us. So we need to seek Him together. Are you with me on that? How about joining me in praying over that? Let's see collectively what God says about that. I will point out one more thing though about the hardened soul and what will lead to a closed mind. We'll be closed minded when we've already made up our minds and we think we can figure this out on our own but another thing that will make you hard headed and, and cause you to miss the voice of the Lord hard, make you hard hearted is just sin in your life. It has that effect on us. The, the word says that, that sin uh, can sear our consciences. It means it makes us Uh, less sensitive to what God is saying. James said in James 1.21, So get rid of all the filth and evil in our lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. We can't accept what God is saying when we're just constantly living in an environment of sin. And there are a lot of different things that can can do this. And I get it. I mean, we all struggle with sin. But I'm talking about when you just choose to live a lifestyle where I'm constantly watching stuff that I shouldn't be watching. Or listening to things that are just defiling. Or if I'm in a relationship that's constantly defiling me. The the kinds of things where we're just just staying in an environment of, of willful, known sin. Let's just be clear. You're not going to hear and recognize the voice of the Lord. Constant lifestyle of sin is the equivalent of somebody sitting next to you and just blowing an air horn. Just walk, walk, walk. Just over and over. I mean, if somebody sat there and did that to you the whole hour that we're in church, and then when that hour's done, somebody came up and tried to whisper something to you, how much of that would you hear? Nothing. You'd just hear ringing in your ears. Sin does that to us. So James says, "You got to just—if you want to hear from God, you have got to lay some things aside so that you don't have this hardened heart." All right, moving on. Uh, the second thing that can become a barrier is I must take time to listen for God's voice. The second barrier, ultimately, I believe, is hurry. It's about pace of life because it's about the soul being so shallow. He says, "Some feet, oh, fell on shallow soul." Covering the rocks and as soon as it sprouted it withered away because it had no moisture. And then, in his explanation he said the seeds on this rocky shallow soil represent those who hear the message. And they receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. This rocky shallow soil represents a superficial mind which often is the product of a life that is so hurried and so fast paced that we never have any depth in any relationship you know Jackie and I were talking in this past week about places that we'd like to go one day and things that we'd like to see and one of the places that we'd like to go someday is to France and we're not going to be there in the next year or two but we're we're still planning and dreaming of the day that we'll get to take in France now the truth of the matter is I've seen France before I've seen it multiple times out the windows of airplanes I've flown over France multiple times different places seen it from one end to the other but how different will my knowledge of France be when we go over if we were to board a train that takes us across the whole country from one end to the other it would be a real different level of knowledge wouldn't it but how different would it be from that if we rented a car and we drove from one end to the other but we stopped every time we saw something interested and we really took that in or let's take it one level further How different would our level of experience be if we backpacked? And let me tell you, we ain't doing that. But if we... Yeah, we ain't doing that. But if we backpacked from one end to the other, we walked the countryside. Well, we all know the answer is of those four options, the last one is going to give you a much better, richer, deeper experience and knowledge of the country. Right? Why? Why would it do that? Because you took more time. Time is the difference. I've seen France from end to end, and it only took about 30 minutes to an hour. Because I was seeing it from 30,000 feet going 500 miles an hour. If you zoomed through it on a train, you'd see a little more. If you drove through it on a car and made some stops, you'd see more. If you walked through it, if you slowed your pace... You would take in a lot more. Your depth of knowledge and appreciation for the country would be so much greater because you took the time. You cannot get beyond a shallow spiritual life unless you're willing to take time. You know in a a relationship with another human being, whether it's your kids or your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend, you can't have a deeper relationship. Unless you add that one key ingredient and it's spelled T-I-M-E. Time makes all the difference. And we will make excuses and say, I just don't have the time. You don't understand how much I've got to do. And the bottom line is, we've all got the same 168 hours in the coming week. And we will make time for the things that matter the most to us. When it's all said and done, it just comes down to a matter of priorities. If hearing from God and having a close personal relationship with God is a high priority for me, I will carve out time for that. Now, he talks about the people who are represented by the shallow soil. And he says, they will receive the seed with joy. And it will spring up. And it will look promising. But it will soon fade and die. I cannot... I'll tell you how many times I have witnessed this happen. The people who are represented by the shallow soil, they love to pop into church, and they are the most fired up people on the Sundays when they pop in. I mean, it's almost comical, and y'all forgive me for being a cynical preacher at this point, but it it just... And yes pastors do get together and talk about things like this but it it just almost is sadly comical the people who will come in and you've never seen them before or you hadn't seen them in 6 months or 2 years or whatever and they they sit in you know one service and the music was just fantastic and God has never created a worship leader like that Tony Edwards and I just it's just so incredible he is the man and Mark delivered a message and it just spoke to my heart and whew, I'm just I just can't wait to come back for more and you never see them again until maybe Christmas. But they're just so fired up today. This is the greatest church ever. Where has Freedom Church been all of my life? And then you spend the rest of your life wondering where they are. Because they don't come back. Oh, you think I'm kidding? I'm not. It happens all the time. I almost get scared of the people who show up in the first time or two. They are so thrilled out of their minds. so I'm thinking I won't see you after next week. Don't get me wrong. I I love it when people are excited. I do. But I've just learned that time is the test of whether excitement means anything. Are you letting that word sink in and bear fruit? Or are we just going, whew, that was wonderful? I mean, you know, part of the reason that shallow people get so excited about what happens in church is because it's the only place they're hearing from God. If you're not ever hearing from God on your own, This becomes the best substitute for having a personal relationship with God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you should graduate beyond this. We all need to be under sound teaching. But part of the reason some of us get so excited about what happens in church is because we're on a starvation diet spiritually. And the only time we're getting fed is when somebody else stands up and tells us, here's what the Lord has to say to us today. And we need to get beyond that. We need to recognize that for what it is and go, wow. I'm living a shallow life. So how do you get beyond the shallow stuff and let it sink in? Well, several different ways. Part of the reason you're holding an outline today and every time you come in here, the reason you're holding an outline is because we want the word of the Lord not to fall on shallow soil. The Air Force did a study years ago and they came to the conclusion that 90 to 95% of what you hear being taught Within 72 hours it's been completely forgotten. Boy, that'll lead you to despair when you're a preacher or teacher. Charlie, of everything you said last week, five to 10 percent at best is still lingering with us. It's just the way it is. If all we do is hear it, we hold on to five or 10 percent for three days. If you see it, that percentage goes up. And if you have to write something in response to it, it goes quite a bit higher. That's why you see it on the screens, you see it on your outline, and those outlines have always got those goofy blanks. Some of you are probably like, why do you give us blanks to fill in? It's just this. The shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. If you have to process it at the level that you write it down, you will remember it longer. It's not because I think that what I'm saying is so profound, but I understand God speaks in this environment. And when God tells you something, it may not be about what you filled in the blank, but you've got a piece of paper in your hand and a pen handy, write down what God is saying. Because we need to retain it. We need to hear it, and we need to retain it. It needs to fall on deeper soul. I'll forget in three days what people tell me. But if I write it down, I'll remember it a little bit longer. So a couple of specific ways that we develop spiritual roots beyond just writing down what we hear God saying is spend time in a daily quiet time and get into a small group. And I'm not saying those to promote church programming. I'm saying that to promote spiritual depth. You've got to take time for both of these. And we can make the excuse, I don't have time for a quiet time or I don't have time to go to one of those small groups if we prioritize those things. And the reason that they will both help to create spiritual depth is, first of all, a quiet time simply gives me time and space to tune everything else out and to just dial in to the voice of the Lord and what he's saying. As I just get still with him in prayer and in listening and in reading his word, the discipline of doing that every day is the most vital thing that we can do to press into a relationship with God. But it's almost as important that we have a community of other people who are believers, who are seeking to grow, who are grappling with the truth of what God is saying and teaching us, and that we collectively, intentionally wrestle with those things together. I've been writing small group lessons for the last 18 years. And I've had people off and on for 18 years let me know how much they don't like the way I write small group lessons. It's just the truth. And the number one complaint that I've had for 18 years is, why do you just rehash your sermon? The reason I'm rehashing the sermon, it's not really rehashing, but the reason we're always returning to the sermon is because we're not just trying to accumulate a base of knowledge. The word says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge alone makes us proud. When truth is applied, when truth is obeyed, it brings about transformation that pleases the Lord and makes us more like Christ. On Sunday mornings, for my part, you hear me teach the word. And that's important. The teaching of the word is an important thing. But it's not worth a hill of beans if we don't go home and wrestle with how do I live this out? What adjustments do I need to make in my life? And that's why I write the lessons the way that I write them every week. You're going to return to this truth. This week, there's no surprises. You will be talking in your small group about learning to recognize the voice of the Lord. And the things that are going to have to be adjusted in your life, in your schedule, if you personally are going to hear from God. Because it has little value if we don't wrestle with what do I need to do differently. We want to have depth to us, don't we? Doesn't everybody in the room want to have real spiritual depth? I've got to have time alone with God and I've got to have time every week devoted to being with other people who are going to wrestle with me with this stuff of what do I need to do with this? The third thing that Jesus brings up. If I'm going to hear from God, I must work at eliminating distractions. A mind that is crowded with numerous thoughts and concerns all the time just struggles to hear from God. Don't you know that's the truth? I'm just constantly, just a whirlwind in my mind. It's so hard to ever recognize what God's saying and all of that. Jesus talked about this when he said, Some seed fell among the thorny weeds. The weeds grew up with it and they choked the good plant. That word choked there in the Greek means literally stressed out or pulled in different directions. That describes a lot of our lives, doesn't it? Stressed out and pulled in different directions. If we had to to just stand up and give three or four adjectives to describe our lives and how we feel, how many of us would start by saying, busy, stressed, so much to do. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. A life that's being choked out. He says, the seeds that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, by riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Are you just always on the go? Is there always more for you to do than than you can possibly hope to get done? I'm not here to beat you up over it. I mean, it just feels like 21st century American life. But if that's the case, you're going to struggle to hear the voice of the Lord. And you're going to have to be intentional about weeding some things out in order to have a focused life that enables you to hear the voice of the Lord. The soil with, seeds, with weeds, it represents a preoccupied mind. A mind that's preoccupied with all of these different cares. Jesus spoke about three different specific things that become the kinds of thorns and weeds that'll choke it out. He says worries worried about my kids. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about my future and my career. It says riches. worried about my bills. And I'm worried about my how many hours I'm going to need to work to cover all that I need to do. And pleasures. Now, now I want to be clear on this. Some of us are legalists and so we think we ought to cut out all pleasure. And that's not the case at all. You should have pleasures in your life. God enjoys seeing you take pleasure in life. You ought to have things that refresh you that refill your tank you'll have things that just let your mind rest that just let you veg so there's nothing wrong with whatever that is listening to music watching TV surfing the web going on Facebook playing golf gardening whatever your thing is that's just pleasure it's totally good you need those things the problem is when that fills every vacant moment of our lives so that there's never just quiet space where God gets to speak. And you know how we, we can do that. I mean, we can take things as innocent as just reading the newspaper and and turn it into just being a news junkie that every time we get still we've got to pull out our phone and see what the latest news is, or every time we have a waking moment that we're not busy doing something else, that we're scanning Facebook or Snapchat or whatever your medium is, you know, Gotta to, got to see what's going on in the lives of my eight hundred and seventeen closest friends. Isn't it the truth? And Jesus says, you've got to unclutter if you're going to have space in your life to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, I want to ask you a simple question. If you've ever had a garden or you've ever had a flower bed, how much work did you have to put into getting a good crop of weeds to grow in those spaces? How hard was that? You didn't have to put any effort into that, did you? You see, weeds are always a simple sign of neglect. You don't have to work at having weeds they're they're going to grow without any help. You've got to just be intentional to constantly go in and and pull weeds and get rid of those things. Any of us who ever grown anything know this. your life's that way without any thought or effort you your life will become cluttered. Every person listening to me in this room and watching and listening online we all get we all struggle with clutter in our lives. You have to be intentional to go back and say, "You know what." I could do with less of that. In fact, I could totally get rid of this and I need to say no to this and to that. I just need to call this person right now and say, thanks for asking. I'm not going to be at those meetings. I'm not going to serve in that capacity. I'm not going to do this thing. That might be a good thing. I don't have enough room in my life. If we're not ruthless about this, we'll choke out what God's wanting to say and do in our lives. And a lot of times it'll look like pretty good things. It'll be green things, living things, that are just choking us out. And we should be reminded that when God speaks, He tends to speak in whispers. He almost never yells. And that's why the clutter is such a key in this. Getting rid of clutter. First uh, Kings chapter 19 and and really the preceding chapters lead up to it but it's it's about Elijah and and God having used him greatly but then Elijah needing to be restored after he's just his tank is empty and you remember this whole encounter with God and there's the sound of a great rushing wind overwhelming sound the sound of an earthquake the, the huge rumble and roar of that and then the roar of a of a fire all this overwhelming stuff that you know is preceding God but in each of those things with all of the noise and the and the sound and fury but God wasn't in those things when God finally spoke how did he speak in a still small voice following all the noise it was a whisper that was the voice of the Lord speaking to Elijah it's a picture for us when God speaks It's often as a whisper. Not a whisper for these ears. He doesn't have to use these ears. He has a direct pipeline to the deepest part of who we are. He can speak directly to our minds. But he speaks softly. He doesn't force his way in. And that's why if we don't remove some of the clutter, we'll never pick up on the whispers of God. And then we come to the fourth and final truth for the day. And that is, if I'm going to hear the voice of the Lord, I must be willing to obey whatever God says. It would be convenient if we could just get God to send us a memo and tell us what all it is he wants us to do in relation to the decisions that we need to make. And then we could think about that and decide which of his suggestions we wanted to take and which ones to ignore. Wouldn't that be convenient if it worked that way? And some of us sort of approach prayer that way. God, we're going to ask you these questions, we're going to throw out these issues, and we'll await your response, and then we'll get back with you on what you have to say. We don't say it that way, but we treat it that way. We want the final call, don't we? Every one of us in the room who are control freaks, we want the final say-so. And when we pray about something, we want God to give us his input, and then we want the final say on whether we're going to do that or not. God, I'll pray about this relationship, and then I'll see what you say about it, and then I'll decide what I'm going to do. And can I just tell you essentially how God responds to that? Until you determine that you're going to obey what I have to say to you, I'm not going to waste the breath. As long as you want the final say on what you're going to do, I'll let you figure it out. And that's where a lot of us live our lives. Just living by our wits, living by our common sense, our good sense. Trying to figure it out. Stumbling and fumbling along and occasionally intersecting with... The will of God for our lives. The good soil that receives the word of the Lord, Jesus says, is the good and obedient heart. That's what yields a crop. The seeds that fill in good soil stand for those who hear the message and retain it in a good and obedient heart and they persist until they bear fruit. Four key words in that line. Hear, retain, obey. And persist. You've got to hear what God's saying. You've got to hang on to what God's saying. You've got to do what God says. And you've got to keep doing it until that bears fruit. The whole idea of the good soul here. It's just about a willing mind. Willing to embrace it at all of these different levels. I mean, it's kind of sad how many times when God will speak on a particular issue and I'll give you one that is just real close to home for a lot of us because it's the one that applies to everybody and it's the one that nobody wants talked about and that is when it comes to finances there's an area most people do not want to hear God on if we just tell the truth and it's part of why it is the second most talked about subject on the lips of Jesus in the gospels there's only one thing Jesus talked about more than he did about Money and possessions. Jesus talked about it so frequently. And we don't want to hear God talking about money and possessions. Why? We all know the answer to that. Because we like our money. We like our control. We like our stuff. And we don't want God messing with it. And so we don't want to hear what God's saying about that. Unless what he has to say is, keep your stuff. Spend your money on yourself and your own family. Put all your money up for your retirement. If God's got anything else to say, we're not real interested in it, are we? I know this is a painful topic. But God will speak, and you know one of the most fundamental things that he lays out is it all belongs to me. And the first tenth, that tithe is a divine portion. It belongs to me in a unique way that you don't get to mess with that. You don't get to figure out what you're going to do with that. That's mine. If you don't give it back to me, you're robbing me, and that, that brings all kinds of problems along with it. And so you know, we'll hear that. That's such a straightforward truth. And we'll hear that... And go, mmm, that's a lot. Oh, ten percent's a lot. Think of what I could do with that ten percent, what I could drive, what I could do where I could go. But the preacher said, God promises to bless. If we do that, God will open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing, all that stuff. So I'm gonna give it a try and we'll we'll write a check. We'll do it for a week or maybe for a month. And so many times we'll just go, ah. Got other bills, I've got other obligations, and we'll step away from that guy. Besides, I didn't really see any big blessing from that. That's why Jesus spells it out the way that he does. You've got to hear the truth. You've got to retain the truth. You've got to obey the truth. And you've got to persist in the truth in order to see a crop that bears fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's not a matter of just going, well, I gave it a try. I, I tossed it out there. Whatever God says, you've got to hear it, retain it, obey it, and continue in it. And one of the most vital things that you can do to make sure that you continue in whatever God tells you is you need to share it with somebody else. In fact, uh, the, the Living Bible paraphrase of Luke 8.15 says, They listen to God's words, and they cling to them, and they steadily spread them to others who also soon believe. One of the best things that you can do when God speaks in your life, well, two of the best things, write it down and tell somebody else what God has said. Specifically, when it's, well, really, either way, if God's just given you a revelation, share it with somebody else because so many times it'll be a word that'll minister to them too. And it's amazing how many times it will become clearer for you as you have to think about it to the point you can share it with somebody else. So tell somebody else what God has said. That's important. Speaking the word of God that he's spoken to you. But the other side of that is when you share what God has told you, and it's a matter of obedience, you need to tell somebody else about it because suddenly you become more accountable when you share what what God has told you to do. This time last year, one of uh, our members who will remain unnamed because they're in the room and uh, so I I won't repeat the who but uh, they called me up kind of midweek and they were so excited because God had spoken a clear word and this person said you know at that point we were trying to raise money so that we could renovate this building that most of you had not seen yet and we're now worshipping in and this person called me and said the Lord spoke to me and he said that I'm supposed to give this amount of money to the church and Part of me was a little confused because I could hear how excited they were. Most people aren't really excited to hand off money, but this person was so excited and was just admitting, "We don't just have this extra laying around, you know. We're going to have to really dig deep in order to give that away." And, and they were so excited. But by the way, hearing the voice of the Lord will stir that kind of excitement in us. But I love his honesty because he he said this: "The reason that I'm calling you today is not to boast about that at all. I just need to be honest." I need to tell you what God told me to give because I'm worried that if I don't tell you today, by the time I get to Sunday, I will have talked myself out of giving this. So I'm not just telling you that God told me to give a generous amount. I'm telling you how much he said to give so that I will give the full amount on Sunday. And I thought, how wonderful, because that's where we all live. We'll talk ourselves out of doing the full thing God has told us to do so many times. If we don't get honest and tell somebody real quick, this is what God said, this is exactly what he told me to do, and I want somebody else to know it. I want you to know what God said, and I want to be accountable to somebody to obey what God says. By the way, he showed up on Sunday morning, and the first thing he did was bring me a check with a smile. But it's just a practical living out of a simple truth. Now the interesting thing to me about this whole parable is, I've read this parable, heard it all my life. I used to always think that this was a parable about four different people. Four different kinds of people in the world. But it's really not. It's a parable about four different mindsets, four different conditions of the heart. And the truth of the matter is, every single one of us are represented by all four souls. And the crazy thing is, we can be in all four of these conditions in one day. There will be moments and situations where God wants to speak. And I'm like, I don't even want to hear what God has saying. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not even praying about it. I'm just doing what I'm going to do. And another moment where I hear what God says. I'm like, oh, that's so good. I know what God's telling me to do. But then I get into it. And that's going to be hard. That's going to be costly. And I don't think I want to pay the price. I don't stick with it. I get so busy with other things, I forget about what God said. And then there are other times when my heart is open and I hold on to what God says. I obey what He says and I stick with it until I see the fruit of it. My heart does all four of these things in any given week. And yours probably does too. The question is, are we willing to press in to consistently be the kind of heart and mindset that says, Lord, I want to hear what you say every day about everything. I always want to be open to your voice. Now, the next couple of weeks, we're going to really press into how do I hear the voice of God, but you're not going to unless you have an open heart, unless you take some time, unless you remove some things, unless you make a commitment on the front end that says, God, whatever you say to me, I'm signing a blank check. My answer is yes before I even know what you say. You see, that's a great beginning point today for all of us. God, I don't want to be a double-minded, triple-minded, quadruple-minded person that sort of jumps around to all these different places. I want to have a heart and mind that's open to what you're saying and that's always willing to obey. Would you join me as we turn to Him together in prayer? Father, I pray that your spirit would do a fresh work among us today not just people in the room but lots of people who are watching and listening online now first of all we just want to thank you that you care that you're involved and that you're speaking truth in our lives and that you're calling us to be the people you've made us to be you're calling us to, to have a meaningful part in what you're doing in the world we're grateful for that Lord, we just admit to you sometimes we feel so lost, so disconnected from you and what you're saying and doing, and we get really frustrated by that. So we ask you to help us. I don't want anybody looking around in this moment, but I, I just want to ask you, just just as an honest confession, I just simply want to see where we are. How many of you would say that that's a frequent feeling in your life? Would, would I just pray just... Just sort of lost or confused as to what God is saying, what he's doing, what he has to just raise your hand right now. If you just I just admit, man, I spent a lot of time confused. Lord, you see hands around the room, just honest hearts saying we need to be clear about what you're saying. We want to press in and know your voice. Would you help us to do that? for some of us who have been so closed to what you would say, areas of our lives that we have walled off, that we have not invited you to speak into we want to just set those areas apart for you now maybe today you've, you've sensed God putting his finger on some part of your life that you really haven't sought his leadership in, you haven't invited him to speak to because you want control of that Would you just agree with God about that? Call it what it is. It's sin. And would you ask His forgiveness? And would you ask Him to speak in a fresh way in your life? Maybe you really could identify with the life that's so hurried or the life that's so scattered by the different cares and busyness of life. If that's the case, would you just ask God to show you at a real practical level how to find time? and space in your life to just be still and draw near to Him to hear His voice and a final thing obedience obedience to the spoken word of God is so key is there some word that God has given you that you know what God said but you haven't yet been obedient to that If that's the case, would you just be honest with God about that now? And would you ask Him for the strength to press in, to be obedient, and to persist in that? Lord, I ask You to do a fresh work among us. That we would be a people who really hunger to hear from You. Who truly are unwilling to settle for just religion, but who are going to press in until we really do have a day-to-day living relationship with you. Help us to be committed to hearing and doing your word. Holy Spirit, we need you. We absolutely need you for this, and we're trusting you. We pray these things in the strong and master's name of Jesus. Amen. Hi. Thanks so much for taking time to tune in and listen to the message today through Freedom Online. Uh, We would love the opportunity to meet you personally anytime that you're in our area. But if today you heard something that really connected or that maybe you've got questions about, you'd like to talk with somebody or have someone pray with you, we'd love to hear back from you. You can reach us in a couple of different ways. You'll find on the website a contacts link. You can contact me or any member of our leadership directly. Or you can call us at the number that you see on the website or at the bottom of the screen now. Thanks again for tuning in and we hope that you have a great week.